It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday november 11th and you're listening to episode 389 and joining me this week is a friend of the show longtime listener longtime friend longtime contributor mr nate darty hey nate oh how's it going it is going go win yeah yeah Jason, at this rate, you're going to be out of uh, new co-hosts. Neil was on last month. I'm on this month. I mean, you've maybe got Gray next month, and then what are you going to do? Yeah, I know, right? And I actually almost had Gray on because we went to that uh, game event at Gilmore's house together, but um, the weather was bad, and recording in the car would have been abysmal, so it would have sounded like even worse than it normally does. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, after that, you'll actually have to get real designers on or something. <laughs> well, I had I had Chris last week, so that was easy. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, that's true. He's unpredictable, though. He just calls me and says, "I want to be on your show. Book me," and so I do. And, uh, and he's got he's got that kind of celebrity status. He he does. Plus, I know that when we're he's actually, coming on the show, that the episode will literally be zero work for me because he shows up, he makes the show fun, he's more entertaining than I am. He just kind of carries us along, and then, and then uh, I edit the show, and yeah, so it's it's yeah. a win win. I, I saw that there's going to be a flip the table reunion at Granite Game Summit this year. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a special episode ten thousand. So I'm. I guess I would assume if you can't go in person, you can probably back the Patreon to get that. So yeah, that's probably going to happen. Yeah, no, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. So he's pretty jazzed about it. I'm very sad I will not be at Granite Game Summit. So Yeah, I have started looking around like other cons within driving distance, just out of curiosity. You know, I feel like if I were independently wealthy, I could, I would try to attend like, Almost, not every con, but, you know, as many cons as I could in one year and just make a documentary out of it, but right. I'm not immensely wealthy, so. <laughs> <laughs> but there's actually even some this late. I, I saw a Galaxy Con, I think it is, in Louisville, which is only four hours by car from here, so, but that's not until, like, the weekend before Thanksgiving, so that's really late. How are how far are you from like central Illinois? Uh, I mean, I Springfield is not even two hours from my door. Okay, cool. Uh, Bloomington's just under three. All uh, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, St. Louis is right on the Illinois border, so. Right, right. Well, we'll keep that in mind. I might, I might be in touch about that. The builders don't get to know anything. Cool. Yeah. Neil and I are trying to arrange a time to do like a, do like another designer meetup where we can work. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe seeing if some more people are available to make it a little bit more of a, of an event where we could actually, uh, get some more testing in with, with not just on our couple of games, but on some other stuff too. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, we did this, me and Adam and Dennis last time we were, I think at Grand Con, there was some software mapping software where you can it will tell you right what's exactly in the middle like see we put in our three addresses and it told us exactly where the middle is 
See, I don't need I that don't, software, man. I got Neil. Neil just can do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Except for Neil, like, we'll then figure out no what the best no one has coffee well, shops. Yeah. Um, so what you been playing lately? Oh, well, um, so lately uh, I've been playing some prototypes as usual. Uh, I played uh, recently um, No Context, uh, which is a new... Uh, party slash social deduction game by banana chan and i took that to ken franklin's house and got to do some play testing on that that went really really well um i was very excited about how well that was received like it needs some fine tuning but i i am comfortable to say that that is like a super solid game and it's very early in development so i feel real good about that um i got to play for the first time ever the table is lava um and uh my team won which was exciting it was a super fun game Hmm. Have you? I've seen it, and I just, I just didn't get a chance to. Is it? Is that Mayfair? No, it's not Mayfair. Mayday, maybe. Uh, honestly, I, I honestly don't know. So I was at Ken Franklin's house, and he, when he has a game night, he does like an intro game where everybody just plays together. Um, yeah. And we played team. The table is lava. So he had it all set up. Uh, but the idea of the game is you've got these meeples on the middle of this table on the island, which is some cards. And then you throw cards onto the table and they have to be within a thumb's width of the island. And if they are, then you put the meeples that are on there on your on the card on the island. And some will be yours, some will be other people's. Um, and then uh, you, if, you're, if you knock any meeples off the island onto the table, then they're dead. Uh, right. And then meeples that are standing are worth two points at the end. Meeples that are laying down are worth one. All the other meeples are out. They don't count. Um, so it's like super fun. Um, it was, it was ridiculous in the right kind of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, in the expansion, one of those meeples that falls in the lava is going to come back as Darth right? I hope so. I hope so. He's going to use the force. Yes. He's going to build a castle in the lava. Right. And then a bunch of people are going to be really mad about it. Right, right. Uh, well, the tickets did go on sale for Rise of Skywalker recently, so... I heard that. I'm All sure my friends are. are buying them. I just waited. I'll go, like, a few days in when the tickets are not sold out. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am a pretty rabid Star Wars fan, but I'm also not at the point in my life where it's easy to just be like, I'm going to the midnight showing on a Thursday night, you know? Yeah, I, I've never been that person. I don't like crowds, so... Yeah. Yeah. I'm be, now that my job is what it is, I will probably go the Monday after it releases to the earliest showing they have. That's my guess by myself with like 20 other people yeah. in the theater. That's my jam. That sounds good, actually. So, yeah, I was telling you before we started recording that I have a new job that I work from home most days. And I mean, I technically still have to be on- online or whatever, 730 or 430, but you know, I'm, it's still within the University of Missouri system, which means I got to keep all of my benefits in retirement and my ridiculous amount of time off. So I definitely will just be calling in sick to go watch that. I'm sure. <laughs> Mental health day. I, I'm pretty sure that my boss doesn't listen to this podcast, so <laughs> probably okay. <laughs> um, well, if you ever run for Congress someday, this is going to come out. Uh, oh, sure. believe me, there's much worse stuff out there. <laughs> I know you well enough to believe that. <laughs> so, 
So uh, yeah, I know where skeletons are. Have you uh, have you been playing anything of late? Uh, not too much. Uh, I I did go through my Google Drive and start reorganizing. So I came across a lot of older game ideas that I'd had that I got to sort of pull up old files and read what I had and see if it was still worth keeping, which was kind of re-inspiring in some ways. I love doing um, that. But, I don't know, I mean, I played a game of Rhino Hero with my five-year-old today, and that game's super fun. I I mean, he's still a little too young, like he gets bored with it real quick, but I think it's an awesome game, even for adults. Like, it's just a fun dexterity card tower builder. Um, and we played two games that we found, I don't know, somewhere, uh, Goodwillish, called Bugger Loop and Bugs in the Kitchen. They're Ravensburger games. Uh, so they were originally released in Germany and they came over. And the sort of unique thing about them is they have this little, uh, like nano bug. It's, it's probably an inch and a half long and you turn it on and it, like it just vibrates and it kind of crawls around and that's a basis of both the games so one is you're trying to move your pieces across this little board and every once in a while the little bug will come out and knock your pieces around and the other one is um, kind of a labyrinth kind it, there's like a bunch of blockers and you're that can rotate 90 degrees and so you're trying to rotate them so that the bug vibrates and rolls over into your little pocket um they're, nice. they're fun little games. Um, it's definitely is like somebody somewhere said, "I'm going to use this thing in a game," and made a couple of games based on this little bug thing. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Of course, the kids like it because the little bugs vibrate and go crazy, and you know they're fun. Actually, even my roommate's cat likes it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, I played Weave. Um, We've been playing Weave since Gen Con, actually. I, I bought it at Gen Con, and I probably talked about it a little bit, but now I've gotten to play it. It's um, it's a t- storytelling game that's based on a deck of cards that are kind of like tarot-ish. You know, they're, they're symbolic. They don't have, like, suits or anything. But you're, And it's actually in conjunction with an app. So um, there's, like, Earth, Wind, Air, air and Fire... And you're good at one of those four things. So as you tell stories, when there's decision points, the GM will flip up a card, and maybe it's the turtle. And you take your phone, and you turn your camera on, and the app looks at the card and then gives you choices based on which card it came up at that moment. Um, Or if there's other, just like lighter decisions, uh, the GM will tell you to roll, like, you know, if it's an intellectual thing, it's roll fire, and you know, he'll tell you one, two, or three if you're proficient in it. So it's um, it's a really fun storytelling mechanism because it's, I mean, there's basically no stats. All you have to remember is that one of these four elements you're better in. Um, but, you know, you also have characteristics and, you know, a little bit of equipment and stuff, but it's really just up to you to weave the story as the, game is called so i mean it's just a lot of fun to tell the story and and my roommate brian is the one who like bought the game for because he loves tarot and he loves storytelling like 
he doesn't care about the battles in RPGs. He cares about the stories, you know. So yeah, um, and then we can go a long time without even rolling dice as long as we're all just sort of playing our characters well. Uh, but my favorite part was it, uh, we're doing like a space themed one, <laughs> and one of the both my wife Jamie and our other friend Sarah they're playing. They chose uh, as an, one of their aspects was lone survivors of a pirate raid on a ship or something like that. And he played it so that they were basically actually both on the same colony ship and they didn't know each other survived or whatever. Oh, wow. But they were little kids. Yeah, they were little kids at the time, though. So as we're telling the story, and I'm kind of jumping in as other characters, you know, NPCs, and at some point, like, you know, these young people are playing with their friends and at some point it dawns on all of us that they're the lone survivors. So that means these other kids are going to die. Oh, wow. Yeah. Watching it dawn on him that he was going to have to, like there was an inevitable conclusion here that he did not want to get to. And he just, he just had a baby like him and his uh, baby mama. So like, like you just saw the dread on his face. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, you know, we had one of those where like, adults took the kids to hide and fade out <laughs> and that's it you know <laughs> and let's not talk about this ever again right but right it was, it was a powerful moment so it was uh, interesting but yeah it, it, that's the only adult game i've gotten to play in a while um we haven't even been able to play D because you know this time of year schedules start to get pretty busy they do yeah that's about it. I've, I reorganized my shelves so I know which games I haven't played, and I'm going to get to them. I uh, goal, right? I reorganized my shelf, and I have a pile of about 30 games I need to get rid of. So I just need to figure out how I'm going to get rid of them, if I can sell them or trade them in right. or what I want to do. I mean, I can I can always donate them, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to, if I'm going to just give the game up, and not get anything in return, I'm more likely to just cannibalize it for parts because I'll use them. Right. Um, and heck, I go to Goodwill sometimes just to buy old crappy games to get cards and, and pieces that I can use. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, hey, you, sir, brought a topic you said you want to talk about. So let's let's do yeah. that. I'll let you intro it. Sure. I, I, this will be a little bit of backstory, but... Um it, it all makes sense in the end. Uh, so I was thinking about your the LARP that you were talking about, and I, I read through and gave you comments on, and it, it reminded me of, uh, I went to camps a lot when I was younger, and then I worked in camps when I was a bit older, and uh, we always did a lot of experiential learning and, you know, ropes course and team building type stuff, and we had these games, that, these scenarios we called lifeboat scenarios, Mm-hmm. And it was, the basic setup is, you know, there's 13 of you, but the lifeboat only fits six. You guys have to decide which six get on the boat and which seven are going to, you know, go down with the ship. And depending on what kind of experience you wanted, you could just have them play as themselves. You know, if it's a group that kind of knew each other and you wanted them to bond, you could have them play as themselves and you know, watch the social experience happen. Uh, if you wanted to make it more of a bigger experience, 
you could assign roles to people, you know, that you're a person of this age and race and educational background, blah, 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 and then make them kind of make it a social experiment. Um, in the political science sociology world, we call that social capital, um, bonding versus bridging social capital, but you can read about that somewhere else. Anyway, it just <laughs> made me think about um, games as a bonding activity, you know, especially because of your LARP, which I don't remember how much detail you went into. Yeah, uh, but I can... You know, it's, do you want me to quick do yeah, that so people have an idea or no? I don't, I'm fine either way. Sure. It's officially I, I out there now, so. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah, if, if you want to do a quick something. Sure. So uh, I did a LARP. Uh, I wrote a LARP, my first one, for the Golden Cobra Challenge, um, which uh, the rules were you had to write something that was four pages, needed minimal setup, um, and uh it gave some different parameters you could use. Uh, one of which was you could use a cardboard box, which I liked that idea. Um, and uh, so my LARP is called "I Think We're Alone Now," uh, inspired by the song by Tiffany. I think we're alone now. True story. Uh, and uh, the reason it's inspired by that song is because the game is played in silence. Um, the idea is you have stolen something uh, from this fascist regime, regime, um, the evil regime, as they're referred to, and they. Um, uh, they have, uh, the, what you've stolen is within the box. The box is of course empty, but you're role playing that you've stolen something of critical importance in this box. Um, and you are locked somewhere in their compound, uh, and you're trying to figure out how, what you're going to do. Um, and in the end, uh, so what happens is anytime someone makes a noise either accidentally or on purpose because they break, you know, their character says something, um, you have to flip a card over and, once you revealed three cards that have X's on them, that means the pursuers, uh, the bad guys, have found you um, and are and are going to break in and get you. Um, and the idea is that you're deciding uh, who is going to possibly take this box with this item in it and escape while everyone else sacrifices themselves to stay. That's kind of the, the idea of it. Um, and it's a social experiment to talk about what would you sacrifice, right, to protect others. Everyone has a persona, uh, which could be any age, race, gender identity, doesn't matter. Um, it just kind of gives them an emotional state um, and a few rules they have to follow. Uh, so anyways, uh, I'll link to it at some point, uh, but it is out there. It's um, it's in the challenge right now. I don't know if it'll win or do whatever or not, but uh, uh, I was just excited to do it. Uh, and big shout out to Neil, uh, Doug Lewandowski, and most especially Nate for giving me some amazing feedback on it uh, at the very last minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, you got it to me, and I was like, yeah, I'll get this back to you in like an hour. I was like, thank was you a, so much. It was an easy read. It, it made a lot of sense with a few clarifications here and there. But well, yeah, I, it's a, I, I think it's great that you came up with this concept. I, I assume you don't have – I know actually now you are kind of doing some – you're doing facilitation, et cetera, in a way. But like that's the kind of stuff I learned in camps. A particular camp up by you in Michigan called Minnewanka. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's interesting that you kind of came up with without necessarily that background. Um, but it's just that idea of using social, using games to create a bond. And you know, mm -hmm. we, yep. I've had great game. You know, I've had great game experiences where I, you know, had a lot of fun and even a memorable experience. But I walk away from the table and it's like. I never play a game with those people again. Eh, you know, like I'm, I may never see them again. It was a random thing versus 
you know, the other thing I was thinking about is on my my D group, which is actually Pathfinder, but all the same. Um, we've been playing the same campaign for seven years now. We're level nine characters, and there's been some some changes, you know, people leaving and and whatnot, but. Like, when I say my D&D group, people may think this is a group that I play games with, but it's, after seven years of every other Monday, they're really good friends. They're actually my closest. So much so that, like, even after Adam and Dennis moved um, out of state, they still use Google Hangouts to call in and participate. You know, like, we video chat with them so that they can keep playing. Nice. Um and you know and we have all these shared jokes and you know just all these shared experiences that go beyond just the table and so I was trying to think of just what is it about those games you know obviously RPGs are a little easier because you're really enveloping a world and a character so deeply but just what is it about some games that, that can build those friendships those bonds beyond the actual playing of the game yeah, that's a that's a really good really good question. Yeah, I mean, other examples I thought of is like Pandemic Legacy Season One still remains the most you know the best actual playing experience I've had with a board game, and it was that legacy style meant we were coming back to the same game with the same group, and we were having this shared experience. But the shared experience developed too, so it. I don't know. That's sort of the games anyway that come to mind. Right. That's so, um, they're settlers of Catan for me with my original game group that we used to play settlers of Catan with. It was right before I became a designer, uh, when I was just interested in games. Uh, and I've talked about it on the show many, many years ago. I would talk about it on the show. Um, my friends, Beth and Bill, and then my wife and I, we would play settlers of Catan with them. And by the time we, like we're playing it. We would play, literally play it every week, sometimes twice a week. Uh, we, but we had completely house ruled the game where we were playing like teams and uh, like we used the five to six player board, but only four players because it was cool because there was more space. Right. And um, right. we used, um, we, we bought the deck of cards instead of just rolling um, because that yeah. made it less random, but we felt like it was too much less random. So one time around we would all roll and the next time around we would all flip cards. Um, so like, and th- the experience with them and that game was so strong that I've never played that game with anyone else since, nor do I ever care to. If I never play it with them again, I will never play that game because that game wow. with them was such an important experience. Um, so yeah. And we did, we had a lot of inside jokes around playing and, you know, things. Right. We, we always had the joke that everyone hated sevens. Like no one got excited about sevens when the Baron came out. So it'd literally be like, like the dice would land like slightly on the board and slightly off. And it was clearly a seven, but like there was like, you know, a, a one degree angle, like it's cocked, reroll, reroll it there. That die is cocked, reroll. Like, um, yeah. You know, I mean, that just that sort of thing. And then when it would if it got rolled again and it was still a seven, it's like we want somebody inevitably be like, oh, it was meant to be. So I guess that's what it is. Like, you know, I mean, like it just, yeah, yeah. So I get it. By the way, somebody just told me they played Catan where they 
put the numbers out face down. Then you pick your initial setup, and then they flip the numbers over. <laughs> oh, I wow. That was a, that's so swingy, but why not? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, I just, so I don't know what if I feel like I'm trying to just think like I feel like it's what did I call it in the text? Stockholm Syndrome games, you know, like how do you make a game that is a deep enough emotional experience that you walk away emotionally connected to the people you played it with? Right. And yeah, I think some of it can come from like the re- repeating the same group and same game over and over to the, the point that it starts taking on a, a meaning. Um, but if you were designing a game from scratch, like what would you be looking for to put in that game? Right. I, I think that, um, you know, I for me, I think a game that's going to do that, uh, every game we've mentioned um, that's doing that, like, like as a standard game for us, it was Catan because it was, it was our social thing, but like everything you've mentioned so far has been cooperative, right? Because it's this, we're all in this together feeling. Um, We're living this experience together. We have the same goals. We have the same plans, you know? And, um, and I think that that is, that creates that camaraderie, right? I mean, that's, we're a D and D party who's trying to go out and, do whatever we're trying to do, whether it's good, whether it's bad, right. we're doing it together. And, you know, um, with, with pandemic, right. Same thing. We're on the same team. We're trying to save the world. We, we live or we die together. Right. Right. And I think, but I think cooperative is best if there's still conflict within the, the party. Like, absolutely. The, if there's always like, okay, we're going to do, you know, if you have a quarterback or, or, you know, people who are just like, we're going to take our four actions and do this, this, and this, and everybody's like, yep, let's do it every time. Honestly, you'd probably stop playing that game because it'd be kind of boring. Right, right. Um, no, I think that, that... like, the, the, you know, the cooperative with the sort of hard choices with no clear uh, favorite, that, like, those two combined things, those discussions, really, that happen from that, I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. Well, then also the secret information of like, I like, uh, like, so the game mental blocks, I played that at Gen Con this year and I picked it up cause I actually, I'm going to use it for some training stuff. Um, but the game mental yeah. blocks, what's really interesting to me about it is that, um, you know, so did you, have you played that? I haven't, but I, I know like I've, uh, seen a video of it or something. Right. So the part that most people know is Everybody has a different view of the same thing. Everybody has a different side view and you're trying to build the view that you see right in front of you while other people are building their view and that's how you get the thing done, right? But one of the things in it that's interesting is not only do you have that different goal that's really the same goal, it just appears different when you're looking at it, you also have something that's really important and that's you have a restriction and that restriction might be I can't touch blue pieces, right? Or I can only touch like rectangular or square pieces, but no one knows what your restrictions are, right? And part of the amazing thing about that game is, hey, put this piece here or somebody being like, hey, could you pick this piece up and put it here? And they're trying to explain to you where to put it based on what they see. Um, And I just, oh man, that's good, right? So 
kind of like in a think of a cooperative like a pandemic style game right except for there are rules where like uh, there's something i just can't help you with right but you will never know what that is throughout the game um the conversations that come out of that right yeah it's it's the discussions that yeah don't have an easy answer or an easy way to explain what's going on yeah i think the this is kind of a weird way to think of it but i think a game that allows you opportunities to to say something or do something kind of stupid um and for some reason i don't know why this example probably because we're just talking about chris and you show but you know like the word bands came from right you know lingo this game that has a time element so you're trying to go as fast as you can and you just and i think it was jared or somebody you know just spit out this, this word that was obviously not even a real word and i mean that stuff that's what tattoos of bands now you know and so i think it's like a game that that leaves room for you to do you know, emergent, immersive play, or what is emergent play, but not just emergent play, but like right. silly kind of goofy mistakes that that are memorable, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. We, yeah. D&D, you know, like everybody loves it when you roll a one or a 20 just because it's fun, but it's even better if you're like, if you say you're going to do something crazy and then you totally fail or totally do it. Yeah. Doesn't really matter which one, does it? No, because the other one's memorable. <laughs> uh, I almost—I had a character that almost that failed a like five foot jump and almost fell into a chasm of infinite death. You know, <laughs> but everybody still talks about it because it was the stupidest thing. Ever. Right, right. <sighs> yeah. So yeah, I don't, I, I'm hopefully uh, maybe some of the other hosts or, or listeners can can help with that because I would love to de- design more games like that. I mean, obviously, who wouldn't want to design a game that makes friends, right? But well, would you though? I mean, what's what's wrong with that? Like designing a game to where it's like, hey, you know, like this game is about meeting new people and making friends. I, I that actually sounds cool to me, right? I mean, that's I like that. Yeah, I mean, if the only downside I can see is is something that I've come across with the legacy game before, and kind of what you're talking about with settlers is if it's one like you don't want to play that game with anyone but them, right? So right. In some ways, Catan is ruined as a as a you know in, an all encompassing board game, you know, a self contained board game because of that. Or like we have Charterstone, which is a Stonemeyer uh, worker placement legacy game, and we were going through it, and we were probably about halfway through the game, and then two of the six of us moved. Adam was one, and another person. And it's not the kind of game you can just continue unless all six people are there. Right, right. So it's even hard for like someone to jump in in the middle, even. So the game is essentially dead. Um, so I guess that maybe is the downside to it. You, it may not work if you don't have a group that's very consistent, but, um, that's about the only downside I can think of. Right, right. I, the, the big project that I'm working on with, with the several other designers, um, that we've talked about before, right? I've talked to you about that game. 
Um, yeah, I think I actually entered a bit in at the very early times when it was you and just you and John. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, in um, in that's one of the things we're really focusing on is how do you create an experience that changes people by the end, right? Where at the end, people are like, whoa, I lived that. And that made a difference, right? That that changed yeah. things for me. Like, that's that's cool when you can do that. So, yeah. I think maybe escape rooms are kind of another, you know, it's hitting some of those same points. Like, cooperative, you're all working together for a puzzle. There's a timed element that ramps up the tension, you know. Um, yep. And I like escape rooms are also nice because they're they're physical. You know, there's a physical space you're moving around in. Rather yeah. Than just sitting at a table. Yep. Just like the LARP, that, and LARPs in general, it's, you know, the memory sometimes, I guess the memory maybe is easier to, to build when you're moving around rather than just sitting at the same table all the time. So maybe that's part of it. Right, right. So anyway, I don't know how we're doing on time. No, we're good. We can uh, we can we can pivot to a pitch here, but no, that was an interesting topic, and it's an interesting thing to think about. It's something I don't think we talk about enough, really, as designers thinking about what is this, you know, what what can the social impact on something like that be, and um, you know, in creating lasting memories and creating bonds within people. Like, I think that's a really cool thing to think about as a designer, right? We talk about designing by how do I want people to feel when I play the game? But this is, this is an extension of that, but it's different. And I think it's worth talking right. about. How do I want, want people to feel when they think about playing that game a month later? You know, exactly. How do I right. Want people to feel about the people they played the game with. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I can remember with detail D and D campaigns that I played as a teenager, um, like right. in great detail. And those are some of the greatest times in my life. Like I, I loved them so much. And I remember all the characters, my characters, other people's characters. I remember the funny things that happened, you know, I mean, right. um, yeah, that stuff just doesn't leave you. Right. Right. Yeah. I've been, I've enjoyed some of the, you know, where you get to beyond D and D the, the, kind of games that are mixing RPG and board a little bit where you get to really kind of build a character a bit, you know, add uh, different stats and different equipment as you go through the game. Even if it's only a two hour game, it's still kind of fun to have that build that character all the same. I agree. So, um, so yeah, I can, uh, I was thinking about what game to pitch. And like I said, I was just going through my Google drive and looking at all my, folders of all the game ideas I've had, but I decided I don't have a game that is anywhere near like what we've just been talking about, so I decided just to try to come up with an idea that fits that that social bonding idea. I don't know if I'm in the right zone here, but this is sort of what I came up with. Um, I think I'm going to just call it Inside Jokes, because I kind of <laughs> feel like... That's good. I, I'm... I'm the kind of person I like working, you know, I'm an introvert. I like to work with people I know in small groups, and I like to build that kind of rapport of inside jokes and special things, you know. And so the way I was thinking of it was to just be cards. Um, and you could, you know, you'd have maybe 20 cards or so that are, are 
perk cards. They're your starting cards. You can probably play maybe up to even 10 people with this. It's a game that would be recurring over time, and I'll, I'll have to give some credit to Neil and his legacy card game that he just came up with because I can't, I, it's, there's some uh, similarities there that I borrowed from. So at the beginning, you'd get a quirk card, or maybe two, and you get to pick, and you get to choose which one to keep. And that would be divided into quadrants, and there'd be four different quirks on there. So this would be like, like what you're talking about with mental blocks, you know, you can't do certain things, or you have to always do certain things, etc. Um, but nobody would know what those are. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, basically the idea would be you'd play this over time. It's sort of a, a meta game, right? You'd play it while you're playing other games, while you're doing other social things. And you're trying to figure out what the other people's quirks are. Um, but everybody would also have goals, goal cards. And maybe there'd be three goal cards or three goals on each card. And then you would pick one and scratch out the other two. Because I definitely am just going to make this a legacy game. Because why not? Um, <laughs> you know, and so the goal might be like get someone to tell you their favorite color without asking them what their favorite color is. You know, um, and if you get the goal, then you get you know whatever reward is on there based on how difficult the goal is. Maybe you get another goal card, or maybe you get to ignore one of your quirks for a while, or whatever it is. And if you can guess somebody's quirk, um, so I, I was a boy scout. I, I think you were too, weren't you? I was not actually. Oh no. Okay. I can't remember the name of the card, but we used to have this card that you got whenever you did the knife safety training. And anytime somebody saw you doing something unsafe with a knife, you cut off one corner. And if you ever got all four corners cut off, you couldn't use a knife again until you went through the training again. So I kind of liked that idea. Like you'd have four quirks, and anytime somebody guessed your quirk, you just cut off that corner of the card, so that you knew that you know. Then that became public knowledge. Then everybody now knew that quirk about. Right, right. Uh, And you and but if you guessed somebody's quirk and you were wrong, maybe you would have to draw um, another card, like a limit, or I don't know what I'd call it. Basically, you'd be adding another quirk, another um, thing that you had, another rule you had to follow. Um, And, you know, there could be other, those are the only three kinds of cards I've come up with. Uh, There could be certainly other cards that manipulate, you know, give you other things to do. But basically, the game would probably end either when people got tired of it and didn't want to play anymore, or like whenever one person lost all four corners of their original quirk card, that would be the end of the game, and then whoever had the most corners and completed goals would win the game. So that's, I'm hoping that that would make some funny conversations, and, and because it would be over time, like Neil was talking about with the, his legacy game, you know, every something you do at the beginning or during every other session while you're doing other things, that it would kind of bring in these funny moments that you'd share with these other people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be interesting because it would be like, Nate's acting a little different than normal. Why is Nate acting different than normal, right? Right. Right. Why is he trying to get me to say the country Bermuda, but he's not telling me to say Bermuda? You know, whatever it is. Right. 
Yeah, and you know, especially if and the reason I was thinking of inside joke is like if you're playing it in a social gathering that includes more than just the people playing it, it's like you've got this secret thing going on that other people aren't necessarily in on the joke or in on the game. Right, um, right. But you could always just hand them a card if you wanted to include someone in the game. You just sort of slap a card in their hand and say, and it would say, "You're now a member of Inside Joke. Write your name on this card, and and you're playing or whatever." And I actually thought, as much as the cards are great, this could all be done with an app, and it would actually be probably better with an app. But I wanted to pitch it as a card game because this is a board and card game show. Right, um, right. You know, it would work really well as an app because. You could just have penalties like by like, um, and actually you could do it with a card too. Anytime you guessed wrong, instead of having to draw another card, you could take like a hole punch or something and put a hole through your card, you know, like, or cross off something on your card. And once those are all crossed off, you're, you've lost or something, right? Right. And actually I thought this would be one of the, one of the things I think would really help with the bonding experiences. It would have... you'd have um, your board game would basically just be like a kind of like a blank poster. Um, and then as people lost cards or things were discovered or, you know, if you had to tear a card up or whatever, you'd tape it onto that board, onto that poster. Right. That way, right. As time goes, you see what develops and you see all the things that have happened and you could either hang it up somewhere if, you play in the same place most of the time, or somebody could just take it with them and it's just a folded piece of paper. Right. Right. Uh, And that way you're kind of building a collage of your experience as you go. Um, That's good. I like that. Anyway. No, that's interesting. Yeah. That's just, uh, my initial thoughts anyway, about what I think might work for a game like that. Yeah, I think that would definitely that could definitely do it. So, awesome, very cool. Uh, yeah. Is there uh, anything you want to plug or talk about while you're here? Um, uh, I I can't think of much honestly. Uh, if you're if you're coming to Geekway to the West in June, then the game design competition. I think the entries have to be in by December sixth. Uh, and it was indie board and cards. So I think I probably said it before, but Geekway does a really interesting thing where the de- you enter the design contest and then the winner is offered a contract to publish with indie board and cards. And then two years later, when everyone comes to Geekway, they get your game as um, you know as an entry gift. That's cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's super cool. What a great idea. Uh, but now that Indie Board and Card are merged with Stronghold, it opens it up to a lot, a lot larger uh, kind of game. You know, it doesn't right, have to right. fit so much into the Indie Board and Card you know, catalog. So that's going to be super cool. Stronghold said they're going to publish. I think they're going to alternate years of who publishes the game. So very cool. Anyway, if you're if you're interested in that kind of thing. I think you can go online and, and believe the deadline is December 6th. Awesome. Uh, awesome. I'll have to look that up. That's yeah, very otherwise, cool. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I want to plug uh, Honey Buzz by Elf Creek Games, which is out there on uh, Kickstarter right now. Um, they are good guys uh, running a cool company. So I'm biased, but that's okay. Uh, but it looks they're like a really cool game. Illinois. What'd you say? They're in central Illinois. We could just meet at their place. It, that is a random thought you just had that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I talked to... Um, Oh, Matt, no, I forgot his name. Brent? Brent, yep. Brent and Mike. Yeah. Um, Brent was super nice, and, and they come down. They're kind of proximal St. Louis board game community. You know, mm-hmm. They're only a couple hours away. So we were talking about, he's like, yeah, you should come out. And I was like, cool. I can do that. Yeah, they are They are really, really good guys to work with. So yeah, highly recommended. Nice. So... All right. Well, I think with that, we are going to wrap it up for this evening. Thanks a bunch for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. It's always good to chat and uh, have you on. Yeah. I'm sure everybody's tired of listening to me. I think I get more microphone time than any non-host except Chris Misha and Neil. Yeah, I think it might be a competition between you and Neil especially. Chris has been on several times, but honestly, I think you and Neil have been on more episodes. It would be tough between the two of you. You may have me alleged out because you've been to more conventions where we've recorded. Um, yeah, yeah. And I talk a lot too. Neil's I think, than right. I think Neil's probably done more episodes officially, like more like where he's just been on the episode, but I feel like you've, uh, feel like you've been on more episodes as part of group chat. So, uh, yeah. So, all right. Cool. Well, hey, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, find us at buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can shoot me an email at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call me, which is my favorite way for you to get a hold of us, at 770-TEL-BTG. And you can uh, find me on the Twitters uh, at PodcastBTG, at J.A. Slingerland, and at Nate Darty, right? Yep. Yeah, all right. Look at me getting that. All right. Well, uh, you can also find us on Facebook. That's another cool thing you could do. But uh, I think that's all we got for tonight. So good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>